What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Today, we're going to be talking about how do you unlock key to top-performing organizations, and that is really to focus on the manager. My name is CT from Engage Rocket, and to help us explore this topic today is Guido de Koning, which actually means Guido the King in Dutch, which is cool. Um, he's the chief people officer at uh, Novasource Power Services, and he's led the HR function at private equity-backed companies in software and healthcare. Welcome to the show, Guido. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we're gonna we're gonna start out with a new format actually, which uh, is gonna be quite interesting. So we're gonna talk about a few rapid fire questions, and we'd love your quick responses to all of these. Um, so the first one mm -hmm. is, what's the accomplishment you're most proud of in your current role? The first thing that comes to mind is my role as a father, as a dad. I have two sons. And when things go well for them and they are landing their feet and they're becoming men, uh, good men that serve other people, that, of course, creates a lot of excitement. That's got to be my biggest one. That's awesome. And what's your moonshot project for next year? The project I'm most excited about next year is probably related to the building of community. We have a very distributed workforce and some people work very individually, live out of a truck almost because we're in the solar industry. And what I want to do is create small, almost circles like communities to create a sense of belonging, camaraderie, trust within an otherwise distributed workforce. I haven't figured all that stuff out, but that's what I would like to do and work on next year. I'm pretty excited about that. Very cool. And finally, what's the most fun aspect of what you do? Probably building relationships and trust with people. I think one of the most fun things for me that kind of feeds my day, usually it's one-on-ones, but sitting down with a person, focusing on them and what they need and trying to make a positive influence on them, not just in their careers, but also as a person. But Those are usually the highlights of my day when I get to do that. Yeah. So I love how you've got that aspect of parenting and the whole <laughs> idea of dealing with people it's actually mm. pretty there's a lot of overlap <laughs> in the role sometimes <laughs> absolutely that's a good point yeah absolutely yeah so we, we were talking a little bit about uh, top performing organizations and focusing mm. on managers so this is a, a topic that i know is so critical and at the same time so underappreciated sometimes in in organizations so why why is it that for you, the manager is that linchpin, that person that's so critical in unlocking top performance? Yeah, I think there's a lot of data that comes to mind when you ask me that question. You and I both worked at Gallup for several years, and you remember when we measure engagement, you always in every company have this tremendous bell curve of employee engagement when you see it team by team, work group by work group. And it was always fascinating that even within the same division or business unit, within the same department, 
two teams sitting right across the corner from one another in the same workspace with the same budgets and the same technology with massively different perceptions of what the workplace was like, the quality of the workplace was like, where one team was highly engaged. They felt safe and healthy and all in. They felt the company cared about them. And the other team right around the corner from them felt the exact opposite. They couldn't trust anyone. They felt not cared about. They felt not recognized. And the primary difference oftentimes was just there's a different manager in those two different teams. And the manager has such a filter for the employees working for that person. There are so many things that the employee perceives through the manager. The company results, does the company care? So that data was so consistent company after company. And that doesn't mean that there are no company policies or that there's no company-wide influence because of course leadership also has a company-wide influence, how they communicate, what the results are of the business. But ultimately, the stronger your group of managers, the stronger the workplace. It's really building a workplace one manager at a time. And that kind of unlocks a little bit the methodology also. If you want to build culture, it's really one manager at a time. You can have all these initiatives, company-wide initiatives, but if the manager rolls their eyes, rolling them out, how that's going to come across. So yeah, managers, I think are always key. I love this topic so much, Guido. And just even as you're talking, I'm already nerding out on some of the, mm. the, the things I remember on this. I think mm. that filter that you talked about, that how much that filter, how much of a filter managers are to uh, what the employee feels about the organization. I believe the research was something like 70%. That 70%. Their experience is driven by 70% yep. from the manager. And yeah. this was, you know, what you mentioned earlier, building that workplace one manager at a time makes a lot of sense because we often look outside the company for best practice when it comes to employee mm -hmm. engagement. But the variation in engagement across companies, it's so much less than the variation across teams. And so if yeah, you're looking absolutely. for best practice, it makes a lot more sense to just go after the team that's doing way better than you in the same organization rather than... Absolutely. Absolutely. And then when you start measuring the performance of teams, including the engagement of teams, so not just their production, but also are they all in, right? Are they not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally fully vested? And you start ranking these teams and you start to see the variance that you have across teams. It is such an amazing way to identify that top talent at the manager level. And sometimes when you have a, a somewhat senior position, you're your own team, hopefully, you write your direct reports, uh, a handful of peers that you work with directly on a kind of day-to-day -day basis, but your reach is not always that deep. And when you start to measure performance and you start to see the results of it and to see who, who is in the top or top quartile, you uncover people that you didn't notice before. And that's always fascinating. And I always enjoy doing that where you look at these results and you have this manager that maybe is new or maybe you didn't really know very well and you sit down with him or her to see, tell me about your team. And then you see their strength shine and you see what they do to build such a great top performing team. And then you see all of those pearls go to the surface, these insights that great managers have. To me, that's almost always magic. It always gives me excitement to hear from a manager their story. And you almost instantly pick that up when you ask them some questions. You can almost ask them anything. Tell me about your team. Tell me about your journey. 
tell me how you spend your time. It almost doesn't matter what question you ask, you, you get a response where the manager starts talking about his or her team and what they do to elevate the level of performance within that team. And then the beauty often is, can you, can you share that story across a broader platform? How, how practically, how have you done that? Because I've had the same experience, right? When we do mm. interviews with like top managers, you get chills, right? It's like, this <laughs> really knows what she's doing. And oh my gosh, like I wish every other manager like, was exactly like her. But mm. how, yeah, how have you attempted to, to scale this? The scaling is the challenge because you would like it to scale and you would like to bottle the magic and just spread it across. And then you notice that is incredibly difficult hard work and it doesn't work very perfectly precisely because it takes a bit of a, it, it takes a talent, it takes a talent profile and sometimes a mindset that is just very difficult to, to replicate. I've done this across a number of different companies and I think there's a few elements that are really important for one. Naturally, you want to spend some time with the range of managers, training them, educating them, exposing them. I, I believe you want to at least give people a, a swing and see if they step up to the plate and say, okay, here are the tools. Here is what it's like to have a very effective one-on-one -on -one with a person. Here is what you do to hold a person accountable. A lot of people don't have that skill set, they don't know what words to use. They don't know how to do this. And so I do believe that it's healthy and good in almost any company to make sure that you have some form of development, some form of exposing your managers to what great management or great leadership looks like. But then there's more to it. I think there is an accountability factor as well, because when you have, particularly when you have good data, but even if you didn't have good data, if you would simply ask around, leaders to say, what managers are you concerned about? And you get some feedback from employees say, hey, talk to me about what it's like to work here. It is not always that hard to identify managers that really shouldn't be a manager. This is really not going very well. I've managed HR teams for a while and you can ask almost anyone in HR and they can pinpoint out pretty quickly because you know where the sick days come from. In, in which teams do you have more people asking for time off, even if they start to show kind of mental challenges, emotional challenges, so to speak. You start to see kind of safety incidents, for instance, go up. So you can pinpoint where this is not working and where you might not have a lot of potential to turn it around because the person who's managing the team really shouldn't be managing the team. And it's too much of a stretch to turn the situation around. And sometimes you just need to also be honest and say, you're such a great technician or engineer or accountant, or you fill in the blank and managing a team of people is really not your cup of tea. Let's find a role where you can be successful. And sometimes people feel so liberated too, when you make that change, but that's an, that's a necessary step as well, that level of accountability. And when you have a very large company and you have hundreds of managers, that's a lot of work. And that means you need for one, Ideally, a good set of data, performance data, including engagement data. And secondly, you, you probably need some good HR business partners who partner with the management teams of each of these business units or countries or however you're organized to do these type of reviews. Where is this working well? Where is this not working? 
do we believe that this person can be successful? And sometimes it takes a couple of years before the leaders of a business unit or country realize, yeah, you're probably right. This is not going to work for this particular manager. And then they're willing to make the change. But I think that's always an important element as well. And then I think the other element I think that's really important is how are you cultivating your culture? And I think that's also where leadership comes in. What tone are you setting when you are the leader of a business unit? How are you treating people? Any people, candidates you're interviewing, people that you're asking to leave, are you treating them with respect and dignity? Because everyone is watching you. And I think if you can set a great example of how to treat people with respect and dignity, how to care for people and not treat them like a number, I think that rubs off on people, not on everyone, because some people might not latch onto that, might not care about that. But I think you set a tone. I think that, this, for instance, the CEO of a company always has a large influence over the tone and the values in a company and how you treat people is one of those, right? Do you yell at people? Do you blame people quickly? Or do you take ownership as a leader to say, it's actually my responsibility as a CEO to make sure that we have good systems, good training, that we set people up for success. If a person makes a mistake, that's not always immediately on the person. Sometimes it's because we didn't train the person well enough or we didn't design a system that worked better. And I think when leaders take on that level of ownership, I think you're setting a tone that it that ideally inspires other people to do the same thing. That's an important piece too, right? Because the organizational development or HR team can push all they want or challenge all they want. But if that conflicts with how the leadership portrays themselves and the values that they cultivate, then that becomes very contradicting and it doesn't work. Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community, get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. And now back to the show. This ties in very closely with what you mentioned earlier about scaling good leaders and good managers. It sounds like this is an important point of leverage where if you're putting a good people leader into leadership positions, naturally that role modeling has a positive impact on all the managers under them. So you get almost automatic Mm -hmm. scaling Mm -hmm. process without that, that sense that you're pushing uphill to be able to transform some of these management practices and behaviors. So it's even as you're talking and and we've been Mm -hmm. in this space for so long, but this is just Mm -hmm. clicking for me. That's the impact of a great people leader in senior management. Um, Yeah, I think that's right. And that's the, maybe the contrast a little bit to the premise that you build a great workplace, one manager at a time, when you have a strong leader, the math that A players hire A players and B players hire C players. So you hire a mediocre leader, you're gonna have maybe even more mediocre mid-level managers that are not inspired to do the right thing, don't treat people with respect or dignity. And the reverse happens when you have a really good leader, they're gonna have high standards, they are gonna expect a lot, they're gonna be careful at who they hire, who they promote into manager roles, and great leaders usually build a strong team of 
a strong team of managers who in turn will hire strong supervisors. So the impact of a senior leader to me is substantial because you are the one promoting, you are the one that makes critical hiring decisions, right? And are you doing that with a certain set of values, looking for a certain set of values? Uh, that's the alchemy of HR, right? Because choosing someone like that is not something that you can see on a resume. You can see Correct. that some guy has like amazing track record, all yeah. the different achievements, but how they treat people, that's so different. So how hmm. are there any tips that you have, methods that you have used yourself to unlock some insight into this question? Like, how do you know if this guy is a good leader or not? Sometimes it's hard to find out, to be honest. Naturally, you got to ask good questions and not generic, hypothetical question. What would you do? Because that's way too easy. But I try to ask questions about, give me an example of a person on your team that you developed. How did you go about it? Give me some examples of what you've done to build trust within your team. And what I'm always looking for is specificity, right? Never the generic textbook answers, but give me specific examples about a person. What's their name? What was the story? Tell me the story. What did you do with this person? I think that always helps to look for that specificity because that, that's the difference between a person who's making it up versus the person who's probably telling a real story. But the other thing too, is how do they treat the recruiter? How do they treat the assistant that scheduled the interview? You always get good insights. A long time ago, I worked in a really large hospital and the recruitment coordinator always walked out the candidate, otherwise they would get lost in the hospital. And it was usually a few minute walk to walk them back to the parking lot. Super low key, really easy to connect to type person. And this candidate would always unload all of their perceptions and all of their stories onto this candidate thinking that the interview is over, right? So I can tell you like whatever's on my mind. And sometimes they would spill the beans. They would talk about what they're currently <laughs> doing in their current company and how they're getting into trouble or giving you really bad examples. And that recruiter would always bring those stories back. And the person, sometimes if you use a support person to help schedule, what's that candidate like? And I, because that's sometimes when the candidate might think no one's watching. And if you think that the person who's scheduling the interview, that I don't have to be nice and polite and collaborative and cooperative, or I don't really have to get back to that person. I think that's when you see the difference between a more remarkable person with strong values versus someone who is just trying to show well, but isn't always doing that very consistently. To me, that always makes a difference. I always ask the people that have been involved in the process, what do you think of these candidates? Yeah, Unfortunately. So it sounds finding ways out of the formal interview context to mm. and validate some intuition we have about how this leader treats people. There was also a yeah. favorite question that you had that you shared previously. Do you believe in people that you would ask? Mm. Tell me a little <laughs> bit more we're coming short in time, but I want to explore that mm. question because it's such an interesting mm. one and tells you so much. Yeah, it's an interesting one and a very difficult one. But sometimes you wonder, what is it about great managers or what is it about great leaders that sets them apart? And is there something, a, a principle or a mindset that differentiates them from others? And I think one of those things is, do you believe in people? And it when you first ask the question, and I don't usually actually ask the question because I, it comes across as too superficial of a question and it's too easy to say, yeah, of course. But I think when you dig a little bit deeper, a couple of layers deeper, and you're trying to see the behavior of people, 
you get to detect, do you truly believe in the talent and the strength and the capabilities of others? Or do you maybe believe in yourself a little bit more? And I think the way that you see it is a person who truly believes in others, they have a way of collaborating with people. Collaborating as in, I'm not just going to tell you what to do. I, I actually want to hear what you have to I'm not just interested to, to tell you how I think you should solve this problem. I want to hear how you want to solve this problem because I want to hear what's on your mind, what you have to say, because you are equally, if not more talented than I am. So wouldn't you have something good to say? You have so many environments where you have a whole range of controls in place, metrics, tons and tons of training, perhaps even audits, a compliance-like program where the whole work environment is really about compliance, about you following the processes of the company. But that's not a very good demonstration of I believe in people. And I know you, you sometimes have to do that when you have thousands and thousands of people, because sometimes you have outliers that decide not to behave very well, which is always a challenge. But when you are a manager, are you focused on compliance? Are you focused on asking your people to do what you want them to do, or are you focused on them, what they have to offer? What is their creativity that they bring to the workplace? Do you truly give them a level of freedom, a level of extended, where it's not just about my opinion, what I want to do as a manager, it's about creating this environment where you're asking people to step up, come up with ideas, come up with solutions, and I think it just changes everything. It is very hard to teach. That particular mindset to me is actually very hard to find as well, because I think so many companies are too much focused on trying to establish a sense of control, which doesn't really exist. It's artificial with the metrics, procedures, the handbooks, everything else. So I think that particular mindset is hard to find. But think about it this way. If you ever had a person in your life that truly, genuinely, deeply believed in you, did something happen to you? So if I, if I answer that for myself, I would say absolutely yes. There is something that happens in you when you know that your peer or your boss truly believes in you. There is a level of trust and a level of collaboration that happens that to me really brings the best out of. And I think a lot of that magic that we were talking about earlier about what top performing managers do is related to that. And so that's so, so even if it's hard to find those type of managers, just think about your own experience. Who did you have in your life that looked at you and said, you have a lot to offer. I am going to build on you. I want your best thinking and I want you at the table because I believe you can do remarkable things here in this company, here together. And that's a remarkable shift that you get just by that mindset. If I can just summarize everything that we've spoken about today, there are three key points that stood out to me. The first one is building the workplace one manager at a time. That has to be the approach that that is the building blocks to a high performing organization. And the second thing that stood out is you can scale that and supercharge it by installing strong people leaders first and foremost at the top, top down. It's not command and control top down, but it's put someone mm -hmm. who respects people and inspires everybody else. And then mm -hmm. the way to do that is point number three, which is you may not necessarily ask this question, but mm -hmm. how 
do you think that this person would approach the question, do you believe in people? Does this person mm-hmm. actually genuinely believe that someone yeah. can do the job and perform and do their best at work? Mm-hmm. Did I miss anything? Is, that, is there anything else that you would add to that framework? That's a great, that's a great summary. That's a great summary. Yeah, that is not easy either. So that sounds all right, that's, that sounds simple, but it's a lot of hard work. And these are mindsets sometimes that are hard to find. I think sometimes the world lacks great leaders. And when you find some good ones, grab a hold of them, keep them and build something around them because they are very hard to find. But that's also maybe then finally, if you are ever in a role where you have the privilege to lead a team or a function or a company or a business unit, what difference are you making? What is, what are you cultivating in your environment? And when your team goes home after a long day of work, what do they mention to their spouse or kids? And is that a good story or is that a stressful story where I feel not safe, not valued? And there's a big difference. And if you can create an environment where people can go home and they are a slightly better person, they feel good about themselves, they feel that they made a difference, they feel part of something, small sense of pride for what they did, and they can go home and they are a slightly better husband or dad uh, or neighbor or friend, then you've made things a little bit better. And I think that's what leadership is about because... Yes, of course, it's also about driving the results of a company and building, but the results they follow when you cultivate an environment that gets the best out of people, because no one will work harder than those exact people that feel that they are valued, that they feel part of the team, they feel that they make a difference. That is what gets the best out of them. And I think that's that quest for leadership, right? So how are we doing at that? That's at least how I try to attend my job each day. That's super cool, Guido. And there's so much to unpack from here. I feel like our conversation really just began. But we'll have to do another one. <laughs> we could definitely do another one. And if yeah. any of the listeners here, they wanted to continue this conversation with you and seek you out for your expertise on this, what's the best way for them to do? Probably through you. So I don't know <laughs> okay. if you get those type of requests. I'm more than happy to host something together with you where we where we do that. I don't have a website. I can be found on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way if anyone that's, wanted to find me. So That's perfect. Thank you so much for hanging with us today, Guido. Uh, really love this conversation. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you've enjoyed the show as well. Come over to www.engagerocket.io, all one word, slash our impact. And tune in next time on the show where we'll have more great insights and sharing from top HR leaders around the world. Thanks for listening. My name is CT and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.